Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, Season 5, Episode 3, your deep dive into anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics with the Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and I guess you could say uh, this week kind of on location. Yep, we are. Because you can't see everything around us, but we are in the midst of media day here for the uh, the basketball teams today, getting all their videos and photos we've, and everything we've been shot. So we are no, uh, not in our normal location. No. We're actually in the golf simulator room, which uh, is appropriate because our guest will it be is. Paul Eberhardt, the yeah. head golf coach here later on in the, in the show. But well said. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's weird. Like you're, If you ever watched like the news on WCCO in the Twin Cities or Good Morning America or something, and they have the glass up yep. and people can see, into the studio and everything as it's going That's on. That's what we have right that now. That could happen here. That could happen. <laughs> it could happen. This, this used to be a racquetball court. Correct. And now it's a golf simulator. It's a golf so, simulator room. and Yeah, uh, it's it's sort of... And makeshift yeah, podcast studio today. People could actually look in because there are glass doors to my left, to j- behind John, um, to his left. And um, yeah, we could literally have people come in and wave at us, which... You know, we're making a big jump by doing all this. I mean, we're already on camera. The fact that we're on video now, yeah. so you know, come on, come all. I guess and they can actually see us from two different levels. They now. could, yeah, we could yeah, because people watching from stairs. Yeah. If we end up with a gallery, then <laughs> I think we move down here permanently and we start charging admission. I think so. We need, yeah, we, that, that should be the next thing we do. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, if we're, if we're going to start making all these changes, let's do it up. It'll it'll yeah. help offset the cost, the talent fees, and you know, right. a thing yeah. like buying new microphones and right. and yeah. stuff like that. These things are stylish. Though. They I are very like nice. Them. Yes, yeah. they are yeah, very like nice. Them. It was they're, they're uh, it was step. a good investment for us. So, yeah, you know, a good step for us to take for the the eye of the swarm. After five years, we finally have some of our own equipment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now we have our own equipment instead of having to loan it out. Our, our our sports teams have their own equipment. We are always fundraising for that. But yep. uh, as you learned in episode one with Nick Bursick, but they have their own gear and they put it to good use last week. There was a lot of wins again for the a lot Yellow of games Jackets. and a lot of wins. Yeah, uh, the soccer teams went combined five and one last week, which right. is crazy. Good to see the women, the volleyball team won both their matches mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. Big ones for them too because it yep. kind of solidifies them in that playoff race a little bit. Um, men's golf conference champions, two thousand twenty-three, yep. absolutely twenty-twenty-three champions, and this is their fifth all-time conference title so we'll talk fifth more about six that. years yeah fifth and six years so of course that'll be a big part of our conversation with coach Eberhardt in the next right. segment but yeah a lot of the good things going on the women placed third the men placed first uh men's women's cross country was off so they did they did not participate men's uh, tennis played their final fall match mm-hmm. and fell to carlton which is a really good program yeah that's a good program so they lost six three not a big deal mm-hmm. but uh you know good to get their reps in but yeah right now we're looking at uh, three teams right now that are trying to go for conference crowns uh, and the men and women's soccer teams have a chance this week to really solidify their positions as well sure. in the conference races for uh, for the UMAC this year as well. So a lot of good stuff going on. Men's and women's um, – or men's soccer, excuse me, had both the offensive and defensive players of the week. Uh, and your defensive player of the week could have been your offensive player yes, of the week too yes, with all, so the, very uh, all the goals and points thing. he yeah, put up. Yeah, Nikolai Stoker and Josh Bellamy were both named uh, UMAC players of the week. And then, of course, the all-conference mentions came out for golf yep. now that the season is over. And uh, a lot of hardware for Coach Eberhardt and company. He was Coach of the Year again, and mm-hmm. four of his guys were also first team all conference. So, a lot of good things happened last week for sure. Yeah, there definitely sure. definitely was. And I am I'm looking forward to talking to Coach a little bit because the uh, a lot less drama this year. Yeah, than yeah. The, there was last year. He didn't dig that hole that they did on the first day last year and have to. Yeah, they let the route. really rally all they, three they, days. They led yep. from wire to wire, and it yep. you know the, it was never really in doubt. No, you know, just kind of like on the women's side, the women got locked into third on that first day, and, and then there was a massive gap. Yeah, between 
first and second, right? Yep. A massive gap between second and third and a huge gap between the top three and fourth place. Yep. Yep. So yeah, they were, there wasn't a whole lot of drama with both teams with got locked in teams. pretty early. Both yeah. teams were at where they ended up finishing after the first day. And it was a three day event, of course. So mm-hmm. um, they ended up pretty much like holding serve quote unquote to, yep. to, to give, uh, to use a tennis term, but they held serve after their uh, first days on Thursday. Cause it was Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Uh, down in Becker, Minnesota, at Pebble Creek Golf Club, which is hosted now, I think, for just about everyone. Of them, I think, they? yeah, I yeah. think every year we've been in it, they've played there. Yeah, so there's they, they played the preview there as well. So mm-hmm. it's a you know it's kind of a return back to where they start the season. But uh, yeah, it, you know they know the course well. Yep, um, and still a pretty young team. Yeah, no know? doubt. So yeah, they they had a nice little run. Of course, we'll talk to Coach Everhart about that. Uh, women's soccer was the one team that lost last week, other than men's tennis. Shame on them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That game could have gone either way. It could have, yeah. Yeah, that was a really – I mean, they lost McAllister 2-0. Um, but that game was was really competitive both ways. I mm-hmm. mean, and the, the the numbers actually bore out how competitive it was. Sometimes yeah. the numbers lie a little bit. And that one, those numbers were pretty much spot on mm-hmm. to how the game was played. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, a, what, 0-0 into the – 0-0 in the 75th, 75th minute, 75th yeah. minute. And then they gave up another one at three minutes about later yep. on to make it 2-0. Uh, a couple of breakdowns there, but – for the majority of the game, it was back and forth, back and forth. And it was a fun game to watch. Yep. Um, you know, UWS had a couple of chances to take the lead early in the game, and they unfortunately didn't convert on them. But um, good showing, good showing. Uh, both teams are in action tonight uh, against Northwestern. Those will be big games. And then they have Bethany Lutheran coming up on Saturday, and that's the really big one. That's the big one for, yeah, yeah, especially for the men. For the men, yes. The women are already kind of in the driver's seat. Yeah, because they've really – yeah, they kind of pulled away from the pack a little bit there, a little bit, and yep. you know they. I think they've established themselves as sort of the class of the UMAC on the women's side. Yep. yep. Uh, know, but the men, the men have some work to do. But the men have uh, definitely also turned the corner. Yep. And they're playing a lot better right now than they did the first time they mm-hmm. met Bethany Lutheran. So uh, we'll see where they go tonight because they've been pummeling teams. One of them being Saint Scholastica. That was one of the wins last week. That was uh, not something you're used to seeing when Superior and Saint Scholastica meet. No, yeah, I was really, uh, you know, I broadcast a lot of those games, as you know, and I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of them. And that was the largest margin of victory the Yellow Jackets have ever had against St. Scholastica in series history. Right. Six to nothing was the final. Mm-hmm. Yellow Jackets scored three goals in the first 15 minutes. And really, yeah, it really was, yeah, made it kind of boring after yeah, that. Yeah, it, it became very, very much a, almost like a training drill in ways, yep. it seemed like. But I was shocked at the, at the, the golf that happened in that game. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Scholastica never even threatened yeah. in the game. I mean, the game was basically over after 15 minutes, which, right. like I said, is not typical of the rivalry. No, I mean, at that point, the only drama left was, yeah. will we get custard? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep, and we did. And we did. <laughs> so, but Josh Bellamy had a hat trick in that game. Um, and, yeah, he could have been definitely named Offensive Player of the Week. Well, yeah. Scored six, five goals last week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he had a bunch of assists, too, in there. So, I think he had six goals. They have six goals. He last had six week? goals last week. Okay, it was a lot. Yeah, because he had the one against Crown. Yeah, and then he had the two on Saturday. And he has Morris. He now so has he eight goals, goals and four assists. Yeah, and Jake Kidd has the same number. Mm-hmm. And then the balance scoring. There's about fourteen or fifteen guys now that have scored. Yeah, goals this year. So a lot of depth there. Uh, it, it answers the big question, though. I mean, how do you how do you make up for the loss of Blake Perry? Yeah. Well, yeah. here you it go. Took him it's, some time it's scoring by it committee. Out. Yeah, it, it took him some time to figure it out. I mean, uh, if you look at the numbers right now, it's Nikolai Stoker now is finally yep. finding the back of the net a little bit. Boy, what a rough start for him. He, he was felt like snake it was, bit because yeah. he had chances, boy. He had chances. Lots of them just, in the beginning. He couldn't buy one. He just couldn't buy one. And now he's got three goals and four assists. Yep. So he's starting to find it a little bit. Uh, you know, we talked about Kidd and Bellamy both have eight goals. Felipe Oliveira has four. Mm-hmm. And he scored a highlight real goal against Scholastica. Who did he ever? <laughs> I heard you say when he, when he scored that one, that, yeah. wow. Wow. That was one of those plays that, 
He has he has special abilities. Yes, and he made some 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 special. He was plays a Division Two player for a reason. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So yeah, both uh, both soccer teams are rolling right along, and the women, uh, you know, they won, and their their two conference games this week they won six nothing and four nothing. So mm-hmm. not really much R- to talk rolling about. Right there. Along. Rolling right along, yeah. yeah. So. I, things are right on right things are right on track i think they're right where they're supposed to be right now so yeah you know we'll exactly. know more after this weekend obviously when right yep. when now the, those bethany luther matches are done so yeah yep. it'll so be, yeah no it's it's been it was a very very busy week but it was also a very uh a very very advantageous week mm-hmm. because a lot of things went right for uh, the teams in black and yellow I got asked did you download the app I did not, but I just saw it today. Okay. Uh, I, I saw it, and I was going to talk to you about that, and I'm glad we're doing it now, I guess, during the podcast. Right, right. Where did this idea come from? Um, it was kind of something we started talking about a year or so ago. Okay. Um, we were, Nick and I were at a conference, and one of the vendors there was this, this group called FanMaker. Okay. Which does fan engagement apps and loyalty okay. programs, reward programs, things like that. And we started talking a little bit about it, and... You know, I thought just for fun, okay, I'll I'll make an appointment and go through the demo with them and, and take a look at it. And so I did that and I went, huh, this is interesting. Well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What does it all entail? It's the the gist of it is it's it's basically a rewards program. Okay. And you accumulate points okay. by going to games, taking part in trivia contests, taking pictures at the game and uploading them to the photo gallery within the app things like that you get points for all of that oh cool and once you build up your points you can redeem them for apparel food oh you know a number of different things and so we were looking at that going okay we've wanted to have a rewards program for quite a while this is a really good vehicle for us to do some of that without having the intensive labor that we've had with it in the past right we thought well this is an opportunity for us to maybe actually get in the pocket of students and fans oh okay. you know because we're like everybody else where we want people in the seats right yeah and, absolutely and that's do. been a fight in, in getting people in the seats here so what's a way we can do that well we we want to be in their pocket how do you get in their pocket you get on their phone how do you get on their phone it's with an app oh cool and so we we thought about that and then we thought you know this could really be some value for corporate partners too okay right and yep. so we thought about it. We thought about it. We talked about it. We looked at a few different things and we finally pulled the trigger on it. And I wanted this rolled out before the fall sports season started. But, you know, the, the best laid plans of mice and men, yep. there's, there's always things that get pushed to the back. And this always seemed to be the thing that got pushed to the back a little bit. Okay. But we, we got the green light on it here this week when Apple and Google said, Looks good. Go. We're going to put it in the store. And we ran it live yesterday. And I think in the first 24 hours, we're upwards of 300 downloads already. And oh, wow. Yeah. You know, we've got a, you know, a number of people that, because you get 100 points for downloading the app, you get 100 points for registering okay. and creating your profile. And then you get five points every day just for checking in. Oh. So you have ways to build up those points. You get 100 points for going to a game. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's that's cool. basically the gist of it. Um, why did we choose FanMaker? They're very reputable okay. in, in the uh, loyalty and reward field. Uh, they, their clients include, you know, Power Fives, Texas A&M, okay. um, the Wild, okay. Edmonton Oilers, the Kansas City Chiefs, 
It's good enough for the Super Bowl champs. I think yeah, it's probably, think it's good, probably enough good enough for us. Probably work for us. So you know, it's it's going to be. I'm interested to see how this is going to go for the first year or two, and and see if it starts to generate a little more interest. Um, it's definitely going to allow us to get more branded material. Okay. Out to people when they mm-hmm. start redeeming their points for shirts and coffee cups and water bottles and right. things like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, I, I think it's a good thing for us. And hopefully it starts to get a few more people in the seats because they want to generate those points. Right. Yeah. It, it sounds fantastic to me. Like, I, I think it sounds like a really good idea. I just was not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is all brand new to me. Yeah. So I'm learning right along. It's something we've been working on, you know, yeah. for the better part of four months, cool. you know, and you look at the last five months here, we've now launched an app and, and two websites. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. My, the, I, the technical part of my brain is fried. Is <laughs> There's ab- nothing left. Absolutely fried right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it's done. I'm glad it's out there. I look forward to seeing. Well, I know you don't do. consider yourself a techie either. So this no, is no. So there's yeah. a lot of this that is just right over your head. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So well, that's pretty cool though. I, like I said, I was, I was hoping that we could catch up and mm-hmm. talk about that because mm-hmm. I was not sure. So, uh, what that was, I saw, you know, I saw the posts, I saw, I saw the, the tweets, mm-hmm. I guess, was it called the X's now or whatever they, what are they? I think it's a post. It's a post. It's okay. a post. Yeah. A post. You can't call it a tweet anymore. Yeah. You can't call it a tweet anyway. Well, I'll, I'll probably continue to call I, it tweets. I'm but, still stuck with that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, I was, I was curious to see what that was all about. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you answered that question for me. Yeah. And I'm glad the folks back that are watching the podcast also. Yeah. So if you haven't go to your, <laughs> go to your app store, whether you're on Google or on, um, Apple and search swarm central, that's the name of it. Uh, again, another play on the word swarm there. Okay. Swarm central, download the app. That's a hundred points, create your account. That's another hundred and, and away you go. That's a nice little plug. It is. It is. It good, is. Job. So good job. Hopefully I'll, I'll see <laughs> more of those downloads coming up here over the next couple of right, days. Right. Yeah. But speaking of coming up, we have an opportunity to catch up with the first conference champion of the 23-24 year. That will be Paul Eberhardt, the head golf coach here, as he helps guide the Yellow Jacket men to their fifth conference championship in six years. And he'll be joining us here when I Have the Swarm continues right after this. We're back on Eye of the Swarm. Time for our rectangular table segment. Well, <laughs> used to be well, used to be the round table, but now well, we're now we're our ta- well, it was a round table. We didn't have round tables. We didn't know, but no, we were sitting you know, in a round. But yeah, I, I guess the this is a rectangular figuratively table, so, the round table segment yes. of Eye of the Swarm, and we are joined by head coach Paul Eberhardt from the Yellow Jacket Golf Programs, and uh, congratulations, another conference title for the Yellow Jacket men. Thanks. Uh, it was a good weekend for us. The guys played uh, well, especially the first day they got out to a good lead um, and were able to basically sustain, I would say. We didn't really push uh, the lead much um, over the last two days, but we were able to sustain the lead for pretty much that we developed after the first day. So it was good. The guys played well. Um, pretty proud of them and their efforts. So. Yeah, and I, I it was the opposite of last year because yeah. you dug that huge hole last year. It really didn't have the drama in it at all this year because you guys got the lead pretty early and, you know, like you said, built it up and then just sort of held serve the rest of the way. And it, it, it made for, for the most part, a drama-free weekend, I think. Yeah, I mean, the drama came down to the individual um, medalist mm-hmm. piece, but um, on the men's side, at least, on the, um, you know, and so... Th- I would probably take this year over last year just because it was uh, <laughs> stress level less, less, way less, down. Less stress. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I credit again to the guys for their coming out. Um, and we shot a three Oh one the first day, which, um, you know, 13 over as a team, which is pretty, pretty solid. Um, I heard it was very windy that first day too. First so day that's pretty a pretty windy, good score so guys on, a, played well. on that day. Um, you know, and it's, 
the fun part is that, you know, you look at the guys that played, it's uh, Duluth Denfeld kid, two superior kids, uh, Hibbing kid, and mm-hmm. then a kid from Amory, Wisconsin. So it's all relatively um, close. It's all um, our area kids that are playing high level golf and winning conference titles. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it's kind of a feather in the cap for our area um, to, that we're producing those types of kids that come out and they, they're playing really good golf. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to overshadow the, the women's side of things too, because sure. the women plays third. And I think coming into the season, one returner, very young, nobody had played collegiate golf except for one player, maybe exceeded expectations a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I actually probably am maybe more proud of their performance than I am the the guys, not, and not to minimize the guys. That's not the point. We'll we'll blot them plenty here as this yes, goes on. Yeah. But but it's one of those things where the the we took a team basically with one returner, and um, the girls came out and they, in all honesty, they were pushing for second. And um, you know, we finished fifth the year before with a team that had a couple of girls that were you know had played. Not we weren't. I wouldn't say we were veteran last year, but we had girls that had been there before uh, and finished fifth. And this year we um, had one, and we finished third. And reality is, is they're motivated to continue to grow, which I think is probably the most exciting part. That they're um, they got along really well. The team chemistry is really good, mm-hmm. um, and they want to be successful. And and you know, I mean. The two, the girls that finished one and two in the conference were both freshmen. So that's um, a pretty uphill climb. Northwestern's got a couple of really good players. But that doesn't mean that they're not still motivated to come out and try to see what they can do and push Northwestern. Hopefully, um, you know, leap over crown and be in that hunt. Um, And that, you know, who knows, add another couple pieces on our end and all of a sudden we're we're right there too. So that's sort of the thing on the women's side. And I'm, again, I'm, like I said, I'm equally as proud at least uh, of them for that effort based on um, experience and personnel. And, you know, we rolled out four freshmen and a junior on the, on that side. And so um, for them to come out and finish third over teams that, you know, I mean, Morris finished, I think fifth and they had a team and they lost a couple of players, but they were the defending champs. And right. so um, that's a pretty good, pretty good first year for that group of, of ladies and um, credit a lot to uh, Haley Botten, who did a really nice job as an assistant with them, um, spent quite a bit of time with them on the road and then did and does a really nice job. So that's, you know, credit to them for their accomplishments um, and their their UMAC championships. I thought they did a really nice job. Did you know that Ashton Parnell was as good a player as she is? Um, no, to be honest, <laughs> I knew she was, I, you know, I'd gone back and looked at some high school scores and I knew there was some potential there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I saw her play a couple of times early in the fall and I'm like, wow, she's could be really good. Um, she's, she's definitely have, a, she has a hockey swing. Um, so her, her, um, you know, her backswing is very short. Um, kind of like a Charles Martin was his, you know, barely comes past his waist. Right. Hits it almost like it's a slap shot. Um, but she's very straight off the tee. Typically she's long off the tee. Um, and as she gets more comfortable with chipping and putting and those things, her scores will be, she's, I mean, she was a first team all conference player this year that her, her 
game will only improve as she plays more golf and she's motivated to play more golf too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that's kind of one of the interesting things is that uh, the hockey programs have supplied you with some good players on both sides now. And, you know, for both the men and the women over the years and Ashton Parnell just kind of continues that. Well, I think by and large, you know, present company not included, the game translates pretty well. And that's why it's, it's not uncommon for hockey players to be pretty good golfers. Right. Yeah. It translates really well. And I mean, almost all of our, our on the men's side, almost all of them have a hockey background, at least from a, at least playing, you know, through high school and through youth area. Um, You know, I would say most of them all played hockey. I have had very few guys that have played for us that weren't or didn't have some sort of hockey background. Um, swing mechanics are a lot the same. And I think, you know, there's sometimes there's a comparison between like baseball, softball swing. And it's to me, that's a, not a good comparison. Cause I think the swings are a lot different with mm-hmm. baseball, softball, but I think, and I'm, I'm not a hockey person. So, you know, I don't know enough about some of the mechanics and things about how you, when you teach that, but it, to me, the, it appears at least as a non-expert that the swing patterns and some of the way you think about the shot process is very similar um, from a hockey to a golf standpoint. So I think there's some comparisons that can definitely be made there. Um, I mean, you look at guys that have, you know, Brett Hulls, for example, is who's, you know, a scratch level golfer that, you know, plays in pro-ams and those types of things, you know, and again, they have lots of resources so they get to go play play lots of (laughs) golf. You know, I mean, that's not very, probably a really great comparison either, but it's, I think it's interesting that those guys, you know, there's a lot of probably pretty good hockey players that are good golfers. And I think, um, I would say across D3, that's very common. Um, I remember a few years ago, and I think it might've been even our first year, um, we sat by Trinity, Connecticut um, at the national tournament and, I think like four or five of their guys were all hockey guys on their roster that was at the national tournament because the guy that was the golf coach was also the hockey coach. Mm-hmm. And so they were all the same. He, you know, he knew Coach McKenna. and um, They had come up here and played, I think. Yeah, I they think did. They, yeah, they did. I think they came either that year or they were coming the next year or something like that. But they, it was, they were, you know, they were hockey guys. And, they mm-hmm. were, you know, and it's not that I necessarily want to rely on that, but if there's a player that's good enough um, – for sure. I mean, and you know, it's, we've had some success. I mean, you know, goes back to Anton and, um, you know, and, and Charles Oli, Martin, mm-hmm. Oli yeah. came yeah. here that way and Charles and, um, you know, we had, and Bradley Stanell, if Bradley, I think was, would have been here, um, and played the, his entire career here as a, I think he'd have been a really good golfer. He, mm-hmm. had, he had a really good swing, um, but just hadn't played competitive golf. And so it was a hard situation for him to crack our lineup right? because we were good enough. I mean, back in the first, when I first started, those guys would have been key guys for us. Last well, and then so. you go back even to like Joey Cummings and Ryan Peterson and those guys, those guys were all hockey guys too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Ryan played for the wilderness, you know, he took a gap. Would have loved to have him play here. Yeah. So he's <laughs> right, he's yeah. a, um, you know, he's probably the best player we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, so I think that that's it just speaks that that's that traditions worked. And I mean, um, so if there's other guys out there, we'll take them. If there's other, you know, obviously uh, female hockey players, I'd rather have them than the male hockey players because we could use the help on the women's side just a little <laughs> bit more than the men's side. But uh, you never know. I mean, um, even guys that we're recruiting, most of those guys are 
or girls have had hockey backgrounds or hockey experience. So you, you touching on, you need to help more on the women's side than on the men's side. You, you have a lot of bodies on the men's side. Yeah. And, we have 13 guys. Yeah. And in a lot of those tournaments, you were playing two groups. Yep. How difficult was the decision when you got down to having to pick your five? How hard was that this year? Because you, you legitimately probably had to pick five out of maybe seven. You didn't have a, a solid, these are my five. No. And uh, this year, probably more than any other year, it literally could have come down to a coin flip. Um, playing, it's okay to say if you did. I, I, I didn't. Um, uh, but play through, you know, they played through nine tournaments. And, um, you know, and it was reality it came down to Ian Bundy and TJ um, Sitek. And I, they both are smart enough to know that that's the way it came down. Um, and TJ had probably been a little bit better going into the very last tournament. Um, TJ had a little bit better scoring average. Ian plays really well in the last tournament. Um, and they come out of, you know, that last tournament, last regular season tournament with the exact same scoring average, exact same strokes over nine rounds or eight wow. or nine rounds, exactly the same. So now it becomes even tougher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's... And, and it's number five and number six and you only get five. So, um, and you know, Ian was with us last year on the team that did come back and win conference, did get to go to nationals. And I made the decision to leave him home. Um, and it was, it, it was primary came for me. It came down to a couple things. Um, one was that, um, TJ has been all in as far as everything that we've done, um, over the course of his four years. And, um, not that I'm not trying to say that Ian isn't, but TJ has just not put himself in that position um, to be in the top five routinely up until this season. And I thought that he um, really earned that opportunity this year more so than ever before. And I felt like he needed to deserve to be rewarded for that. I also felt like when push came to shove, the deciding factor for me was they both played at the preview event and which was at, Pebble Creek and Becker and TJ outshot Ian there. And when it, that came to me is, you know, okay, well, they played head to head on the course where the conference tournament's going to be held and, and TJ was significantly better than Ian that day. And it's, you know, I mean, no, Ian probably didn't play very well that day. That's, you know, no, that happens. That's part of golf, unfortunately. I mean, and TJ didn't play particularly well at the conference tournament either. So, um, you know, it could be looked at that I made him, a, I made a mistake or I made a bad decision and I, I can live with that. Cause I think that, um, ultimately that our strength has been our depth. Mm -hmm. Um, so even though like Ian didn't play in the conference tournament, Ian's a big reason, you know, and Trevor Durfee and a couple of the other guys are big reasons why we won because our top guys have to perform all the time. Um, or they're going to get replaced. I right. mean, they all know that. And so, um, you know, Connor Willard's another example. Connor Willard makes all conference this year as a junior played in conference as a freshman and didn't, didn't sniff our top five last year as a sophomore. Sure. And so, um, it's for me, it's pretty cut and dried usually with scoring average is the main focus. And then typically it's head to head and how they've done against each other in similar events. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then at some point, the coaching aspect has to take over and who do you feel like can give you that piece? And, you know, 
again, we're coaches. We have to make those decisions. That's why we get paid to do the job is that you at some point have to make that decision. And that's, you know, so this year again was the hardest I've ever had um, from a, that perspective to put, um, you know, basically put in this case, put Ian on the shelf and bring TJ because again, they were had the basically the exact same scoring average. So mm-hmm. um, it's not fun. I didn't enjoy it. At yeah. All. The minute um, you start yeah. enjoying that, it's time to get out of coaching. Yeah. No yeah. question. I mean, I, I felt terrible, um, but it's it's part of what you have to do, and that and you know you live with it, and hope that you're you feel like you're fair about it, and I feel like I was, and that's you know ultimately you have to be able to live with those decisions. It's not like you're playing favorites or any kind of thing like that. That's not that doesn't come into the factor at all. Um, so and again, I think that Ian has you know Ian has handled it super well and all those things. So I think it's a situation where. Um, by being competitive, though, that's what sets us apart from some of the other teams in our depth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, North Central was the team I was more worried about going into the um, championships. And, you know, their head coach talked to me before we ever played. And he's like, yeah, we're coming after you. That's the, you're the team to beat. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I knew, <laughs> I knew, we, I knew we were. Yeah, we, we are. Because we, we hadn't <laughs> lost, you know, we hadn't lost a match to a UMAC team all season. Right. Um, and he's like, you know, but the difference is, is your four and five are better than mine. And I'm like, well, yeah. And, and my six and seven and eight are better than yours too. So that's right. why we are where we're at. It's not like, um, it's a secret. And he, you know, he and I have a good relationship and he's talking about, I got to bring in more players that can all play. And I'm, well, that takes time. It's not yeah. something that happens overnight. So. Yeah. Cause it took time for you when you, yeah. you first took over. I mean, you didn't step into you know, the cupboard being loaded no, with, with no. depth here, you had to build this. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, again, a credit to guys wanting to come here and compete. Um, and, and, you know, there's some, you know, I don't try not to over recruit. I try not to go out and get 30 guys and let, you know, that, that, I don't think that's fair necessarily. So mm-hmm. we, um, you know, we'll carry our 12 or 13 guys. Cause I think that that's, you can get them enough rounds to make it meaningful. Um, Anything more than that's really hard because it's just, you know, budget constraints and just travel constraints. It's just hard to get those people opportunities. And so, um, you know, but if you've got 12 or 13 guys that can play, you can push each other and be pretty successful. What is the recruiting process like in in golf? I mean, is it strictly looking at scoring average and and that kind of thing? Or do you try to get out and and watch some high school meets and and see demeanor on the course and swing mechanics and things like that? What is the recruiting process like? Because I feel like it's different than other sports. Yeah, I would say for me, um, it's some of both. So, um, you know, on on the guys, on the male side, I start probably, I would say right now, a little earlier trying to identify people that are either a little bit under the radar or that I don't think are going to necessarily be and the, and the portals changed this some over the last couple of years, but really it looks at those that are probably fringe ish D two ish type guys. You know, I know that um, the ones that are out there winning, you know, junior tournaments all summer long and those types of things and have, big reputations or guys we're not touching. Um, and so I don't even, I don't bother. Mm-hmm. Um, typically in Wisconsin, 
um, if they're south of Highway 8, um, I, you know, it's a quick conversation. And if we can get our foot in the door, then great. If we don't get much push or much interest back, I cut them loose because mm-hmm. it's, um, we just, you know, to try to get them to drive past Stout or drive past Eau Claire um, to come to us isn't, isn't normally going to happen. Um, so um, I've had better success, in all honesty, with um, suburban Twin Cities kids, Iron Range kids, um, you know, local kids that um, can play because they want to be here where um, others do not. I, I would say our best recruiting 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 coup um, over the last few years has been Blue Anderson. Um, you know, was ranked pretty highly in the state of Wisconsin for his junior resume. Um, you know, I think he was a top 20 kid in the state by the, you know, Wisconsin golf, as far as, you know, ranking was a two time, um, state qualifier, um, and, uh, proved it obviously as a, you know, rookie of the year in the, in the UMAC and, um, first team all conference as a freshman. So I, I would say that, you know, and, and again, it came down to us and pretty much stout there and, um, he felt like he could probably have a bigger impact right away with us. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we developed a decent relationship. And so I think that that's why he's here. Um, Super nice kid. too. Super nice kid. Yeah. Super good family. Um, I had a chance to meet his parents, um, at, at a, at a tournament. So I went last spring, um, after he'd actually committed to us, but, um, I'd met his parents at a, uh, there was a meet in Hayward at, uh, it's the Scotty Miller invited and they do, you know, there's probably 25 teams there. So it's a big event. And I went over on Saturday um, and followed him around and then followed a few other guys around that, uh, you know, in this year's seniors, I followed them around on a few holes to see if I could watch them and their demeanor and, um, but got to meet his parents and they, they were at a few events this year. And so super, super good family. You know, we're lucky to have him. He's a, um, really good kid wants to wants to be successful here so you know it's interesting because I think we've talked about this and when we've had you on the podcast before is the depth you know uh, thing because it really uh, you want to have top level kids obviously but the biggest key to winning a conference title or winning a meet for that matter is having consistency in your lineup um, you know you talked about that fifth spot was kind of wide open you had four first team all conference guys on this team <laughs> you know I mean that's 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 really impressive I mean, yeah, you know, for, for any team. Right. You know, and, you know, you talk about that fifth spot was open and there was a little bit of, you know, of, of jockeying back and forth between Ian and TJ for that last spot. But, I mean, whenever you can stack up four first-team all-conference guys, you got a pretty good chance of winning. <laughs> yeah, know? I think we – I mean, we were third, fourth, and sixth in the in the final standings, and I think Blue was ninth, and he got in. Yeah, four the, in the top ten. We had yeah. four in the top ten, which, I mean, you can put four guys in the top ten, you're going to win the conference title. I right. Mean, it's, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and it's, and it's, it, you know, it's, that part is, I could have probably rolled out two or three other guys and they could have put themselves in very similar situations. So um, it's not that we, you know, yeah, our four over those three days did a great job and were able to, but if I had to replace them with someone else, I feel very comfortable that we could have been very similar in that situation based on our lineup. So, um, you know, we've got guys on our roster that are, the best player on other teams and they're not, they weren't in our top five. Right. Um, yeah. And you know, well, I mean, looking at the scores, even at, at the, at the meets all year, I mean, it seemed like 
there were different guys that were leading you depending upon what what you know tournament you were in. I mean, there were different times where it was Blue or it was Nate Burke or it was uh, Willard. Willard. Yep. Yeah, I mean, all those guys took turns kind of cycling through at the top. So when you have that kind of quality that you can go, you know, okay, we might have the best guy in the conference or we might have the two best guys, but those other guys are we have to kind of prop them up. You didn't have that. Yeah, you had a bunch of guys that were very consistent all year long. It looked like. Yeah, and that's probably where we're a little bit different, and not to minimize other guys, but when we had Joey and Ryan, we were very, very dominant at the top. I mean, Ryan finished one. I think Joey finished two or three that one year. Mm-hmm. We were elite at the top, and um, we hoped that the other guys were good enough not to sort of drag us down. Where I think we've been able to change that into where we probably don't have. We don't have the same elite player that, you know, like Ryan was. I mean, Ryan's the best player that the UMAC has seen in the last, ever since I've been here. Yeah, he was um, pretty dominant. And yeah. he, you know, he's the only guy that's ever finished under par at the conference title. Right. Um, and he was five under par, so it's not like he was just a Just a couple, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, he's, you know, in the conversation as probably one of the best ever. So, but now we're just... We may not have that that guy, but we've got seven guys that are all right really, around, really, yeah. really good, and so um, that just gives us the versatility, um, you know. And if you look at Eau Claire uh, to some extent, which is who I've sort of tried to aim for, um, because the, and they're they roll out their two, their ten guys or twelve guys, and they're you know at their own tournament, they're B team beat their A team. Um, and, you know, their kid that was on their B team won the tournament. It, you know, makes you seem like an idiot right. as a coach because your B team <laughs> beats your A team. Well, your 10 guys are good enough that they're all, this, right. all the same. Um, and it can change from day to day. And that makes it um, harder on a coach, but it makes it you better as a team. And, um, that's something that I think makes us better than some of the, and again, I'm not trying to rub sand in anybody's face or whatever. It's just that that's one of the things that sets us apart from some of the other UMAC schools is that we have better depth and a better ability to go make, um, you know, somebody goes down and doesn't feel good. We can plug that hole and we don't lose a step. Right. And, you know, a guy for their, them, them is gone. It's, it's a big deal if it's one of their, one of their guys, they don't have another, bo- they don't have another right. body that can play. Right. Right. Was Ryan take going back to the, uh, the championships, the NCAA championships a few years back, is he the only UMAC golfer that continued on? Cause remember that he, the team was done, but he got to keep playing as an individual. He, he, he missed it by a stroke. Okay. So. That's what it was. Yeah. So we, that's funny. Cause we, we were talking about that and, he literally, it came down because the UMAC championship this year was a four-hole playoff for the medalist. And I'm like, well, how are they going to do that? And they all, you know, all three of them are all, the two teed off and they played down the hole. Well, that year, if this kid, and we were watching him, he makes like a 30-footer to save par. If he misses that 30-footer, that's it's what like it was. an eight or nine guy playoff. And Ryan would have been a part of that playoff to see if he could, Continue on. That's right. On. So, okay. But he um, made the putt. But okay. the kid makes this putt. And we all thought it initially was for birdie because we got there as they were coming down because we had, we'd left. We played earlier in the day and we'd left. And then we kept watching scores and we thought he was 
Manny, there's a chance he's going to be in the mix here. And we pull up to the 18th green and jump out of the car and we're all get down there as they're coming up the 18th green. And we didn't realize that he had shanked one off the tee. And so he was, <laughs> so he was an extra stroke. That he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so he was see, scrambling. Yeah. I thought he made a 30 foot birdie putt and he, he made like a 30 foot par putt. And if he misses that putt and it rolls out, you know, even if it's a tap in for bogey there, it's a like eight hole, eight, eight or nine guy playoff for that last wow. individual spot. So it, that'd have been pretty crazy. I don't know how they would have done that per se. Cause, and then this year with the individual playoff at the UMAC, they talked about the first year we won it when it was the five V five guy playoff at, um, or, you know, we're team, we're going down the fairway and they're going down the fairway and there's, all 10 guys are playing the same hole at the same time. So, Well, even at the uh, MLC this year, uh, there was a three-guy mm-hmm. playoff. Yeah. And we talked about that because two of your guys were in that one. That was uh, Nate and Blue. And then yep. Jake Sweeney, who ended up, I think, being the medalist from North Central. Correct. So they had to play it. They had the playoff last week, and then yeah, that one, that. that one though, unfortunately, was just a scorecard playoff. So that went based okay. On, so they didn't actually play off. They just looked at scorecards, and um, they went from hardest handicap hole backwards and okay so i think that one got to the third hardest hole and then blue had made birdie on that hole and the other two had made par i think so okay that's, where, that's why blue got the medalist that way but it was but it was interesting that it comes down again to yeah. these like you have two playoffs in a row where you right yeah yeah well yeah. in fact i mean but that's why you have it like, yeah right exactly you see, yeah. think how close you know and again you see it at, uh, on you know big tournaments within the pga tour or whatever you know, they've played 50 or 72 holes and they're still tied. And you're like, yeah, that's, it's crazy to think about of all the shots over 72 holes that one guy is, hasn't set himself. That's how good and how, you know, I mean, when they're making birdies and they're making pars every time that margin of error is so small. Right. Um, You know, you, you hit one wayward shot and that really, that's honestly sort of what happened where, um, Sweeney was able to win the medalist is that um, uh, kid from Northwestern Shane um, hit uh, got in a little trouble with his driver behind a tree off the, on the fourth playoff hole. And uh, Jake made like an eight or nine foot putt and Shane probably had a 12 footer and it didn't go in. And that was because he, his approach was, or his drive was, you know, right a fraction of an inch off of where it needed to be. And it ends up sort of behind a tree. And that's, you know, that's the breaks. I mean, that's, that's why golf is so demanding and so tough sometimes. So right? technical too. Yeah. It, it is. can be and one. It, yeah. <laughs> you know, you think a lot of times, you know, we see everyone's seen that Robin Williams skit where he, yep. he talks about, you know, this, the drunk Scots <laughs> inventing the game of golf, but there's so much technicality to it. And, yep. it, you know, as the equipment gets better and all this stuff gets better, it's just, you know, the, the the miss in golf is fractions of an inch right. on your swing plane, and all of a sudden you're 20 or 30 yards off of line because, you know, guys are so strong and their swing speeds are so fast. If you miss that much, it's you're you're in the woods or you're behind a tree. And, yep. Well, you, you know, see you, in the you PGA play recreationally, too. Yeah. and I play recreationally. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, you're, you hit one bad shot, it's – all of a sudden, it's bogey or double bogey, and you're not. Yeah, the entire hole now. At best, and, yeah. <laughs> well, for yeah, me, that's at for best. you and for you and me both. But um, it's that's and it's. I don't know that the average 
fan understands how technical it really is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even like the greens at Pebble Creek were super quick this last weekend. I mean, they were rolling very quick and you put yourself above the hole on a couple of those shots. And if you, if you miss, I hate when I'm above the hole. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you miss your eight, 10 feet past. I mean, that's, you're hitting it. Like you're tapping the, the golf ball and yep. if it doesn't roll in it's no matter what you do it's eight or ten feet past yep. and that's um and that's no gimme either no, no i mean eight or ten feet up the hill that's not a that's not an easy putt and i saw plenty of three putts over the weekend by really good golfers mm-hmm. because they they got short-sighted or they were um, above the hole and they you know they couldn't couldn't roll one in and it's you know and that's a lot of golf courses that's their biggest defense is if they can get the greens rolling quick and they can you end up in the wrong spot, but, um, and pebbles a lot that way. If, if you're, um, there's plenty of other hazards out there, you know, there's sand and there's lots of trees, but if you still most golf courses, it's the greens where you can get yourself in the most trouble. Mm -hmm. So you win the conference championship with that comes the automatic qualifier into the NCAA championships in May. It's a long time away. Yeah. So how do you navigate this now? Because, you obviously want to try to find a way for these guys to stay together and stay sharp and, and keep working on their games. How do you navigate the fact that you're probably not going to play for six months? Yeah, that's probably for us the hardest part um, of, of being good is that you have to figure out how to think you're going to get yourself ready for um, a spring championship when, you know, last year we were, we had not hit a, ball outside up until two weeks before we left to go to to nationals right Um, the weather was terrible last spring and so um you know luckily we're doing some stuff um with our strength and strength training staff um where there's some accountability there for them to get together and be together as a team in the off season so that's that's big because i mean it just still keeps them connected as a you know and they're they're friends and so they hang out together, but, mm-hmm. um, to do something that's team oriented, especially something that requires a little effort is a positive. Um, so, you know, having a strength training staff that is, you know, here, that's going to help them, you know, do the things that help them improve as players, but also on the side note, keeps them together and unified. Um, for me, probably the one thing that is different over the last few years is the NCAA with the change in legislation and going to days instead of weeks. Right. Um, it gives us some flexibility that we can now do some actually some actual practice days in the winter, which we never could before. You right. Know, we were basically strictly hands off for f- over four months. Yep. Um, and you know now we can get a day, you know, a, a random Wednesday in the middle of January. We can have practice, and that's not something we were able to do previously, based on NCAA legislation. So that's for us in the North. That's a huge change. Yeah, that's a big change. Um, because it gives us a chance to connect, and you know, our season's short enough that we probably couldn't ever really use the days that are there, just based on calendar and, and mm-hmm. weather so we can come inside and hit some balls and work on some of those types of things we can do some just touch points with our players to keep them thinking and motivated um 
you, you think know, about a spring trip maybe? Yeah. So I, I've already started trying to look at that. We talked at, um, we stopped for dinner with both the men and the women after the championship on the way home and started talking about maybe a spring break trip. Um, you know, there, so that's a possibility. Um, this year nationals is in, um, well, Boulder city. So Las Vegas area, um, which it'll be fun and also presents some challenges, but, um, <laughs> but we're, uh, um, so, you know, a chance to go play desert golf somewhere in the spring would be good, which pretty much limits you to like Arizona, Arizona, Arizona yep. Nevada, mm-hmm. those types of places, which, you know, we were lucky enough to go to on a spring break trip with Ryan and Joey's group to Arizona back in the day. Um, you know, I lived there for 10 years, so I have some at least knowledge of working knowledge of some of the courses and things that we could do there. Um, so I know the guys at least would be up for that. I think, um, I'm pretty sure you could talk the girls into wanting to go to Arizona for probably um, yeah, spring break. Yeah. They'd probably be okay with that. With yeah. A little wintered out by that point. So, um, I think that that's a possibility for us to go do that. The only worry there is, is that, you know, spring break is, I think the second week of March this year, um, which means that it'd still probably be almost six weeks maybe before we had outdoor capabilities up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd have to go in spring break and then be pretty regimented about getting in and hitting balls. And then we're still going to have to make a trip down to, you know, Iowa or Northern Illinois somewhere to be able to get rounds in, in the spring, which again, we've always had to do. Um, but when you qualify for a national tournament, it's basically imperative that you do that because that's the only way you're going to get your teams Ready ready to play. Yeah. Um, more Wartburg, windy cornfield yeah, horror stories yeah, coming our was, way. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's hope not. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting conversation we had with Sam. Yes, when he came he back did. from yes. that one and he yeah. said, "Oh my gosh, it was it was nuts." Like, yeah, that was that's still and it's funny because the wind was blowing really really hard. It blew hard on uh, Thursday at Umax. Friday was actually worse because at Friday the wind blew, I'd say sustained twenty plus, and um, a. I was on the green talking to, I don't remember which one of our players it was, but uh, one of the Northwestern players was standing over a, you know, he probably had an eight footer up the hill for a birdie and he stands there and he's looking at his ball and his ball's oscillating because the the wind and he's like, and he ends up backing away and he, he looks at me and he goes, I can't hit that putt. My ball's moving. And I'm like, <laughs> like, well, and he waited just a few minutes. He walked up and he made the birdie and I gave him a fist bump. And I'm like, you know, yeah, no one's going to blame you for a little slow play there. When you, <laughs> well, I ball's remember oscillating on the green. And, it, you know, when we were in Iowa, it was like 35, 40 mile an hour winds. I mean, wow. It was I remember uh, Sam Albrecht came in like after you guys got back and he came in and he was all wind, like wind burned. Yeah. <laughs> he had a combination of like sun and wind burn and, you and I asked him, he said, Sam, I ought to go down there. And he said, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he, he almost was out of words. Like he said, I, I never played golf in, such, in a situation like that before. Right. He was, he was pretty much like, I, I, I'm speechless. Like he didn't know what to make of it. Yeah, and if you, I mean, if you have any kind of spin on the ball, that wind is just going to grab it and take it wherever it wants to go. I mean, again, Ryan Peterson, I saw him hit a ball that I've never seen ever before where he hits a ball that you're, looks like it's going to go right down the fairway. And has spin on it and ends up 40 yards the wrong way out, you know, out of play. And you're like, 
can imagine where my ball would have gone in that. <laughs> oh, exactly. How does that happen? So, it was just, it was just, it was like right on the fairway, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> like it just disappeared. Like, yeah. So guys yeah. that can that play, you know, a fairly straight ball, or guys that play, um, you know, a low ball flight. Those those guys in those windy conditions, they have an advantage because it's, um, you know, like Connor Willard, for example, plays a big um, a big fade on his ball, and uh, even on. Friday, he got hurt a couple of times where the ball just kept carrying, like it just kept going the wrong direction because he's he, he plays a, a left or right ball flight, and um, if it's uh, he caught the wind, there's a couple of times where he you know he ends up out of bounds because he's like, yeah mm-hmm. nothing he can do. He hit, he's hitting his normal ball flight. He's lining up far away, you know. Right. Yeah. It just uh, yeah, it just keeps going. <laughs> just it just yeah, one subtle. Fun fact for the day: I went to high school with his mom. Oh, really? Yes, I did. Did you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fun. Yep. That is cool. Small world. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Well, we congratulate you yep. on another conference championship. Always fun to take the banner down in the end of the spring and add another year to it. So congratulations on that. And congratulations on the the work you've done with the women's program, too, because I, I know that that's been something we've talked about in the past, how it's a hard roster to build. And you've done a heck of a job with that, too. So congratulations on that. Thanks. I, I'm super excited. We've got a couple incoming on the pipeline that I think are um, pretty excited and hopefully um, decide to become Yellow Jackets because I think that that's um, really good for our, our women's program to get that uh, and, and stabilized. And mm-hmm. um, again, generally really good people that are fun to be around. And, and so kudos to them and the girls there. And um, I'm excited about the growth in that on that side for sure. Final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, the beat keeps going on. I mean, five and six, we'll go for six and seven next year. Mm-hmm. Right? That's yeah. the best way. That's, uh, you know, just keep keep the success rolling. And, you know, it's 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 gotten to the point now, I think, where the the names are changing, but the results are staying the same. And that's the, the sign of a nice, stable program. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so. again, uh, most of that credit has to go to the players for, for putting in the work. Um, you know, I mean – obviously someone has to be there to help guide the ship a little bit, but reality is it's the players that have to go out and make the plays. Players are the ones that have to go out and and put the time in over the summer to, um, you know, get to where they can be, where they're successful. And um, there's a lot of time and a lot of energy and, you know, either for them, either that or a lot of, you know, work on, on the range and things like that, that go does not, at least in my eyes, doesn't go unnoticed because I think, um, it's such a technical sport um, to be good. Um, it's a super technical sport. So I think that that's where credit has to go to the players for their continued success and mindset to, to be good. Yellow Jacket head golf coach, Paul Eberhardt. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, thanks, fellas. I always appreciate it. For Coach Eberhardt with Big Sound Matt Johnson, I am John Garver. We hope you join us next week for our next episode. And thank you for tuning in to Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.